Coming up, over the last 25 years, you've known him as the Connecticut Blue Blood. The game, the king of kings, the cerebral assassin, but we here at WWE just call him boss. Whatever you want to call him, he's been one of the most talked about, controversial, and influential figures in this industry for a quarter of a century. Triple H joins the podcast, and After the Bell starts now. My guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. I already named a fraction of your plethora of nicknames at the top of the show, uh, so we'll forego the formalities. Triple H, thanks for joining me from uh, where are you at these days? I'm at home. I'm at, uh, we have a, a house up in New Hampshire. I'm up here away from everybody. I, I was joking with somebody the other day. I said, I've seen, uh, I've seen more bald eagles than I've seen people since I've been here. That's got to be kind of interesting. I, I, I always wonder what it's like to be that isolated. I think it would be like fun, but I, I don't know if I could actually handle it. I'll say that it's not as isolated as I make it sound. You know, it's not like we're not in a, a little t- a town or anything like that. I just really, other than to head to Florida for tapings or for, uh, for work, I, you know, we've been kind of here. So once we're here, I don't really have to leave here. So once I'm at the house, I don't really have to go anywhere. So it's, you know, it's a part of the beauty of it. And, and I guess in, in a sense, um, being fortunate enough to have a gym here and and uh, room to get outside and e- even do things outside and um, be able to let the kids go out and do stuff and and uh, have activities so they're not just cooped up in one room or anything like that. That's been been fortunate in that sense. But um, you know, they're doing what everybody else is doing and and um, making the best of of uh, of this situation. Have you learned anything about yourself during this uh, time on lockdown? Yeah, I, I found all these new board games that I have a penchant for, uh, just different things. I've played more Uno in the last... Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think yeah, Uno's like the, the go-to card game, right? Because it's so simplistic for everybody, and, right. and especially if you have kids. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he said, Uno's one of those deceptive games where like, if you win... At the end, you feel like you've outsmarted everybody and accomplished something, but you really, you haven't done a damn thing, right? It's just Nothing. a lucky cards. You haven't done anything, but you feel like so smart at the end, like smug, like, yeah, that's right. I won. You guys, master strategist here. I, uh, I, we discovered a game called Mancala, which I had never, ever heard of in my life. And it's basically this board that has these tiny stones, like little rocks, and you have to count them and drop them and you have to have the most stones and get your other, your opponent to, it, it makes no sense to explain, but when you play it, next thing I know, it's like three hours later, I've played yeah. all my kids. We have like a round robin thing happening. and it's pretty competitive. You're addicted to it? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I haven't touched a video game yet. So I feel I'm pretty proud of that. It's great. You know, that's the one thing I think, um, you know, my kids are, are at an age where they're into video and obviously they're, they're videoing in school and stuff, but it's been kind of nice. You know, I think when you're in the middle of, the day to day, especially with what we do, it can be so busy and there's so much going on with travel and everything else. And, you know, you almost put like the light at the end of the tunnel of those days when you're home and you have time right. to just with your family or sit with your kids or whatever. And you go like, Oh man, if I just had that, that extra day and you don't feel like leaving and stuff. And then you have the extra day and you don't have to leave. And you're like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> uh, but no, yep. but, um, I think you you learn a lot about each other and, and um, you learn to value that time and about what's important to, to not only to you, but to your kids and spending time with them and how, how I think important just little things can be with them. Um, 
you know, taking one of them individually and going for a walk or something can be mm-hmm. like, just make their whole day or, 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 and make yours right. uh, by the way. So it's, it's awesome. And, and, you know, in some ways I think for us um, with WWE and everything else going on with everything happening, it's been almost busier, I think, um, just trying to stay ahead of all this. And every time you think that you have it, like, all right, I think that works. And I think we have this figured out now. And then all of a sudden it's like the whole thing flips over and one edict comes out and you're like, okay, we have to start everything over. And um, I think it's been busier in that sense, but the understanding that you can do that from home in a way and still be just as effective. I think people are learning a lot about how they can do through technology. You can all be together doing meetings. I've done every meeting that I would have done if I was at the office um, you know, for, for 10, 12 hours a day, just doing them from here. And they're actually probably more efficient because you're not waiting for people and you're not, you know, having all the setup time and everything else. So it's, it's been a learning experience, but it's been good. And I think the, the truth is on the flip side of this, Corey, nothing's going to be the same ever. Nothing. Right. right? Like, businesses are going to change. Some businesses are going to go out of business. Some people are going to learn how to do business better. You're going to learn what worked, what didn't, how, people consume are going to, it's going to change the way they go out, the way they, it's going to be a long time maybe before people decide they want to go out in large gatherings and, Mm -hmm. and all get together in groups and, you know, go to arenas and, you know, it it changes fundamentally changes a lot of the world. So it's going to be interesting to see how the other side of this, and you don't know where the end of it is right at, at this point in time, you know, you know, they talk about having second waves and third waves of this as, as it, nobody knows and everybody's criticizing every move that's made but the truth is no one knows if those moves are right wrong or or indifferent so i might as well start at the beginning because the the internet loves to speculate that's what it does better than anything on the planet earth walk me through the first few steps when you find out that everything we know within wwe is about to change we're scheduled for smackdown as far as we know i believe it's supposed to be in detroit and next thing you know the the government and the world turns upside down and we are where we are it's a funny thing and and there are these moments in time, I guess, that are happening where it's like somehow maybe fortuitous, if that's the right word, but like, so we're getting ready for an NXT taping or an NXT live show. In in March every year, Full Sail University, our partners, they they have um, their Hall of Fame where all of their, they, they honor all their students. That, you know, they, they have so many students that go on to be Academy Award-winning movie producers and sound directors, everything under the sun. Right, right. right. I don't think, I don't even think our fans realize what Full Sail University truly is. Yeah. Everything to do with media and entertainment and everything else, they teach it. And, that, and that's part of the beauty of the partnership. So this is one period of time in March where we have trouble, you know, with the, with the facility, with Full Sail Live. And this year, because we were live every week, they were like, look, we're going to do everything we can to make this available for you. There was one week where they just, we just could not get in there. So we had been working on a secondary location and everything just kept kind of falling apart. This wasn't the right place. That wouldn't work for us. As it came closer, we netted out with, you know what, we're just going to go from the performance center. We're going to go in there. We're going to do much like what we did for um, the Super Bowl halftime show, which was, we'll, you know, that place is set up, as you know, um, it's set up with a, a full production ring and a, a stage set and lighting and everything. And you can right, kind of go all in. the time. That's, that's even before yeah. all this went down. Is there, yes. It's always kind of ready to go. Yeah. And so you can go in there and you can, uh, you know, 
put up some seating in there and blah, 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 and turn it into an arena. And so that's what we decided to do. So we're, we're in the process of doing this and we're going to do the Wednesday, which is March 11th. I believe that date sticks in my head. It's the 11th of March, which is a Wednesday. And we're going to go live from the performance center. So they're doing the setup from there. And, um, as I'm headed down there on the Tuesday, I'm flying down there. And, but man, the news is now picking up fast and furious about the, that was right about the time the NBA and, and yeah. yeah. So, you know, the the week before I was at the Arnold classic in, in Columbus, Ohio, you know, I, I was, uh, I was there for the Arnold Classic and and getting an award there, but I was the the expo itself where they have like two hundred thousand plus people come through there right. over the weekend gets canceled, mm-hmm. and they keep the actual arena event, the bodybuilding show and the strongman stuff where I'm going to give the award. So they're like, well, still come out, please. We're going to do this. We're going to do it where we were going to do it at the awards ceremony at the event, but the expo and everything else is shut down. And man, I had a lot of talks with Arnold while I was out there about this. And, you know, at that point, everybody was still trying to figure out, like, is this legit? Is this political? Is it, you know, is it, no, nobody knew. Mm -hmm. But so I get done that weekend, I go home, I'm flying out now to the performance center for this show on the 11th, on the 10th. And um, the NBA is, I can't remember if at that point they had canceled or they were about to. Yeah, I want to say it was because I, I remember being at home. So I want to say it was probably a Tuesday night and it yeah. was somewhere where they were kicking around. They canceled the games for the week or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, something like that. And and there was a debate happening about whether, you know, they were going to play with no fans. And some of the players were saying, we're not playing with no fans. And so as I'm flying down there in the morning, I, I called Vince and I said, hey, I haven't seen the performance center yet, but I'm going to go out. You know, we don't really do anything halfway. So I'm going to go out on the limb and say it looks pretty spectacular. Maybe when I get done doing this live show tonight uh, or tomorrow night, maybe we should just leave the setup up. Like I know it's costly and all that, but maybe just in case something cancels over the next couple of weeks where we can't go into a town, we could at least get everybody to Florida. At that point, I wasn't even thinking about no fans. I said, you know, we could pick up the phone and call our, you know, the local fans here and fill this place up pretty easily sure. and still at least put on a show. Mm-hmm. And Vince was like, ah, that's probably smart. You know what? Get me the, get me, run the numbers, get me the numbers back today. And I'll let you know. By the time we get to Tuesday night and we do the production meeting and all that stuff. And I get done that I'm calling Vince up and I'm like, I don't have the numbers yet, but man, it's getting worse. He's like, yeah, it's getting a lot worse. Let's talk in the morning. By the morning, it's like, yeah, hey, we're coming. More than likely, we're going to be coming there, and um, doesn't matter what the numbers are at this point in time. <laughs> so we, we, you know, we leave up, we leave everything up. By the time we do that live show and that show is over, Vince is not only saying, "Yeah, look, the the trucks on the way to Detroit are on the side of the road, but they're turning around, they're headed your way." You know, we're going to do SmackDown from there tomorrow. Everything is shutting down, man. For the first time, he goes, "We might be doing WrestleMania from there," and I was like. Holy cow. Like <laughs> that was a, like, all right, so I'm going to stay. So I, you know, I stay there and uh, here come the trucks the next day. And man, now they transform the performance center because I said to Jeff Lane is the guy that, that uh, sets up NXT and does all the production stuff for that. I, I said something to him about them coming in here. And I said, now, so this team's going to come in here and he goes, Oh, Superman's going to come in here and take over. I said, no, no, Superman set it up with how it looks now. Batman's about to come with a utility <laughs> belt full of 16 trucks full of stuff that he can make this place look crazy, right? So, uh, yeah, they, they came in, they got there in the middle of the night, they flipped the place over, and by Friday, um, 
you know, by, by Friday for SmackDown, we were up and running with a, a full blown show and, uh, we stayed over and, you know, and at that point it went from, you know, might be Detroit to everything's shutting down and we're going to be parked here for a while. And, you know, it was a complete different conversation, no fans Then we took all, you know, so we took out all the seats and I mean, it just, it, it's, everything was changing at that point so rapidly that uh, we were just kind of trying to hang on to the tail end of it and do the best we could to, you know, not only be able to continue to put on a show, but to do it medically safe between all our medical teams at the highest levels. You know, it, it had bumps in the road, but um, we were able to get to a place where we were able to continue. And, you know, contrary to how people look at it and believe, I, I, I truly do think that it's how Vince looks at it. And, and I know the WWE looks at it as people need some entertainment. And I know even the response we got in those those first uh, few episodes that we did of people being like, geez, thank you guys for, for doing this. You know, you see some of the negativity around it, but like, I think for the most part, anybody that hasn't want to be a part of it isn't no heat, no issues. Um, but for a lot of people, it's, it's, um, I think it's, they get to feel like they're being a part of the solve and, and part of helping other people by, by performing and being a part of it still and sure. um, giving people something to do and look forward to, you know, there's no, nothing new happening right now. And there's even the shows that are pre-taped, uh, you know, series and things like that. They're running out of new episodes now. Yeah. So, you know, um, being one of the only things that's out there still producing, I think is, is it's important. I think for people's mental well-being, and we're, we're doing everything we can to try to continue to be able to do that and do it in the safest way possible, not only for our, our staff and our performers, which is first and foremost, but for everybody involved, you know. You obviously were integral. The, the Performance Center was kind of your baby, so to speak. Did you ever in a million years think that WrestleMania would be held at the WWE Performance Center? <laughs> when I walked in there, uh, once they had done, you know, now I'm going to get into the mismatch. Of the, after that first two shows and, and the live SmackDown, the first one, it seems like this barrage of just events happening. And, and it's a, so I'll screw all this up. But the, the moment in time when I walked in there, and they had now transferred it from the kind of Raw and SmackDown set to mm-hmm. repositioning everything. And I got in there and the giant WrestleMania sign <laughs> that Kevin Owens would end up jumping off of and all that stuff was in the performance center. It was, yeah, I know it was surreal. And just a, I don't know, a, a crazy experience. I called um, Canyon, uh, who runs Style Development for me. And, and we were talking about like the, the moment, I remember the moment walking in that building for the first time when we were scouting locations. And it was like a, a knickknack store from like a importer from like Korea or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was all these like shelves to the ceiling of these knickknacks as far as you could see. And I remember walking in there and just rows and rows and rows and rows and rows of all this crap and, and stuff. And, you know, if you would have said to me in that moment in time, like, it's a nice building, right? We'll have WrestleMania in here in a few years. <laughs> you are, you're out of your mind, you know, but yeah. here we are. Yeah. Crazier uh, time. Oh, yeah. I don't, I can't recall anything crazier. It's, it's funny. You talk about when we first opened that place, a friend of mine, he, uh, he does merch for bands and he has a friend that graduated from full sale and she was there when we did the, the photo the, the, with the, oh, the, yeah, with the hammers. Uh, yeah. Smashing the wall down, yeah right? And she had a photo of herself with all of us. Uh, and and she sent it to him and was like, see if he remembers this. And I'm like, I, I don't recall meeting the, the girl, but the the day definitely, man. I remember that forever. Yeah. And, and never in a million years would have even thought, you know, it, it blew my mind the first time I saw the performance center. 
and then let alone how you see the the WrestleMania sign and everything happening right there is nuts. It's it's still and they put a shirt out on this uh, WrestleMania's biggest fan, but you know those the the the, the giant the, the big called, ass fans. Yeah, they're <laughs> called big ass fans. It says right on it, big yeah. ass fan. That's the name of the company, right? But I see those every time I watch the show and I see that fan, it just makes me chuckle inside because <laughs> the decision to put the like the big ass fans, one of the selling points of those big ass fans was that they had the name on it, big ass fan. I was like, well, we have to put those in there, right? But you know, you see that thing sitting there every every show. It's it's um it's surreal. It really is. And and um, to see the transformation of of all of it into what it is, but sort of kind of the beauty of of what was created there. You know, when when we were first developing it, it was, hey, we can turn this space into, you know, production twenty four seven production can come out of here. You're gonna have all these athletes here; they can produce content and and make shows and continue to grow and evolve. And you know, it, it takes time, but that's exactly what's happened. So, in in a way, I, I couldn't have ever predicted. WrestleMania would emanate out of there, but like <laughs> a lot of the things that did take place, and and when you look at the steps to take where you got to, like if we hadn't, if somebody hadn't picked Maroon Five to play at the Super Bowl, right, and then we wouldn't have said like you know what we should put on a Super Bowl halftime show because no one's going to watch that, <laughs> and so we put on a Super Bowl halftime show, which you know the production wise was like okay, we definitely can go live from here anytime we want, and. You know, those those were I think those were all integral steps and in like the confidence of being able to, you know, when when Full Sail said we can't use the building. OK, well, we'll go live from the performance center. Uh, Smackdown's going to shut down. All right. Well, what if we just go live from the performance center? You know, those are all the steps that take to make you think like, oh, I can do this, you know. Well, this year, for the first time in quite some time, you weren't a uh, physical active participant in WrestleMania. Another thing that seemed like a genius move at the time. <laughs> it was actually a very good year to pick not to go to WrestleMania. Right. I was going to say you were scheduled till you found out there weren't any fans. And then <laughs> no, I, actually, I actually wasn't. But in hindsight, right. That was a smart move. Yeah. Right. So what was it like for you? Obviously, you're in the position that you're in and you've had this incredibly successful career. But from day one, you're a fan. You love sports entertainment, yeah. WWE. You've watched or been a part of every WrestleMania. What was going through your mind from that perspective, from the fan in you? Well, you know, what was was crazy is that it was such a different experience. Like, you know, Corey, when you go to WrestleMania, th there's like that whole buildup for it, right? And mm -hmm. then you get there and it's like this, you're you're there for a week. But man, for, for, for us, from a business side, especially for me, having the corporate side and the talent side over the last few years, it's it's a week-long forget sleep, forget. Oh yeah. It's a whirlwind. Anything. It's, it's just straight out. And it's, you know, um, one minute I'm at the business partner summit and you know, I'm, I'm in, changing out of my suit in the car and putting on sweats. Cause I got to go do a rehearsal and then I got to go put a tux on. Cause I got to go to, you know, the hall of fame. And it's, it's just one thing after the other. This year was so different. There was still a lot of press and stuff happening into it, but it just in some way didn't feel like mania, mm -hmm. but yet there was this, craziness of trying to pull off something that big and that new in that environment that it kind of did feel like mania in that sense, right? Like it was so big and so epic and so like just trying to 
accomplish that seemed so massive. Right. Then, then I wasn't there for a lot of it because a lot of it was being taped and, you know, shot during the afternoon and stuff. And I went off to do a different shoot. Um, and then you get to WrestleMania itself and you're home. And now it's two days, but I'm sitting at home for the first time. I, I, and you know, since the moment I walked through the door of, uh, WWE, I've never been home for WrestleMania. Even the one that I missed due to injury, I was there. I was there sitting at gorilla the, the, the entire show. It, it was, um, so it was a surreal experience and, and that it didn't at all feel like WrestleMania, but yet the epicness of it was still there because it was this undertaking that had never been done before. So to speak. Right. Right. I mean, it's gotten to the point WrestleMania obviously gets bigger and bigger every year, but it's never been done like this. So logistically, this is a completely different show. It's a different program. And it now has the brand of WrestleMania. So there's already expectations lived up. It wasn't like, you know, and in your house got sidetracked and you had to, you know, figure out something. It's, it's the show of the the year, the biggest one. And, and no, and no fans. And how do you still make that special? How do you still make that big and still feel like this is beyond just a longer version of the same show that you watch, you know, that, and that's the trick, right? Well, they say necessity is the mother of invention. And yes. uh, this year we definitely saw some innovation at WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, the, the, a lot of the fans are referring to it as a more cinematic style, but you uh, actually had a pretty heavy hand in organizing the, uh, critically acclaimed Boneyard match with AJ and Undertaker. Yeah. So as that, um, as we started coming down the pike towards mania, obviously mania was taking place prior to WrestleMania. So at that point in time, a lot of things were taking place at the same time. So when we got done shooting NXT television, I then went to Vince and was like, so I feel like if there's something that I can take and run with it, that would probably be the most helpful because everybody's going to be running in different directions. And what do you think needs the most for me to look at it, I guess is, is a way of saying it. And uh, he was like the boneyard match. And I was like, okay, great. So what is the boneyard match? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, he was like a graveyard. It's in a graveyard. And I said, okay. And he was like, they got this huge field and I turn it into a graveyard. And I said, in the middle of nowhere. I was like, oh, so what do you want it to be? And he's like, I don't know. Just make it good. <laughs> so, I was like, so you want me to take that? And he was like, yes, please. I don't remember what day it was. Michael Hayes and I, I went to Michael Hayes, who was, you know, also an agent on that. And I said, hey, I'm going to grab this boneyard match. And he was like, well, thank God. So we drove over to this giant field in the middle of nowhere, which was, I guess, I don't know, 30, 40 miles outside of Orlando. And the giant field in the middle of nowhere ended up being like a, a one acre lot and behind this barn at the end of a residential neighborhood with like a house across the street <laughs> like we got out of the car and i was like where's the big field and they were like no this is right here this this area right here to that street right there and i was like you're kidding me <laughs> and uh, michael's like chip this ain't gonna work man we can't do this we're gonna we gotta i gotta call vince right now tell him put this in the studio or we gotta find another location shoot this ain't gonna work and i was like michael we're not this is it this is the hand we have. This is the cards we've been dealt. We just got to figure out how to make this work now. But we had a hell of a team and we started to put some stuff together and we came up with some ideas. And And then one of the tricks became as you're beginning to put this together, that there's only so much bandwidth of technology that can go around. So we lay out all this stuff, you know, come up with this concept and ideas and we, you know, finally get to a place like, well, some of this stuff could work. You know, this might be good. And we have this design team that's going to build out this little set. and. I get to our 
tech people and I'm like, so how, how many, uh, how many people do I have in a crew for this and the camera crew? And they were like, right now I got you one camera and I'm trying to get you a second one. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so that don't work. <laughs> so I called up higher than that and was told, yeah, no, we're, we're shooting WrestleMania right now. Like I, I can get you one. I'm trying to get you a second. So I then went to Vince and was like, you know, I, I pitched him the concept and the idea. And he's like, I love it. That sounds awesome. And then I said, well, problem is right now I have one camera. And he's like, God, you can't do it with one camera. And I'm like, well, I know. So uh, <laughs> I said, I have a solution on it, but I don't know that anybody else is going to be in favor of this. And my solution was to use the digital team from NXT, uh, Jeremy Borash. And, and we have a, a, large, a team of digital shooters that we use there to different format and i you know said look we can shoot it with them and we can do it cinematic style and i can bring a bunch of cameras and i can shoot all at once i'll shoot it like a film i'll shoot it in a different format and you know i believe we can make create something special with this and i don't know i think most everybody else was against it vince was like well i don't see as we have much choice so that's what we're gonna do so uh we gathered everybody up and we started laying it all out together and then set it up like a movie and went and shot it we i think we had seven cameras and we used a couple of drones in the process uh to shoot some of the to shoot some of the the takers arrivals and things like that but uh laid it out like a movie and shot it i'm watching all these camera shots and look we had a certain period of time to do this you can't shoot till it gets dark and then you got a certain period of time in which to do it and then you're done right um and there's no second takes you know it's it's a funny thing that like uh i saw a lot of people afterwards saying like well god taker could go forever in these kinds of format because like the physicality is no physicality. I'm like, dude, AJ was flying around on the dirt, yeah. on the hard ground with rocks. And like, they were beating the tar out of each other. And it was long. It was a long shoot. Yeah, we got it done. And, and it uh, it turned out really, really good. I was proud of it. I was proud of the, the team that shot it. One, because when I told them, uh, you guys are going to shoot the Undertaker match for WrestleMania, I don't think you could have... Uh, <laughs> this, there was a lot of puckering going on let's just say right <laughs> it's the undertaker and it's wrestlemania yeah and um you know they were really excited about the opportunity but that's a man that's a lot of pressure and then uh you know you 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 get all that stuff and then you know you see everything that you have on camera but then it comes down to the edit and when it once it went back to the tv studio there's a couple of guys that just made magic out of it we went through it with them like well, you would a movie and here's what we're looking for. And then they took it and just created magic with it and scored it and, you know, did everything they needed to do with it. And it just, uh, you know, top to bottom team effort, first and foremost, Taker and AJ and, and Gallows and Anderson, spectacular performances. But from the team that built that set, uh, which was like literally a, a little grass yard. And yeah. <laughs> like literally when we were shooting into the graveyard, if it was light out, there was a house right there. But oh, like, wow. no, like, Luckily, the, the guy that owned the, this place over here was, uh, that's his house, so he had all lights off, so you couldn't see it <laughs> on the other side of, the, on the, other side of the, uh, the, the darkness. There's actually one shot in there where there's a car, they're, they're fighting, and like, this car keeps going by. Uh-huh. Like, and I'm, I'm like, if this guy drives by one more time, I'm going to run out there to, like, <laughs> smash his car window or something so he didn't come by here again. It was the same guy. I think he was trying to see what we were doing, you know, he kept driving by, but. Yeah, I was proud of it and happy for those guys. And, you know, I really felt like um, for a taker at this point in his career, it was a guy that I, I I don't have more respect probably for anybody than I do for him in the business. And for him to be at this point and be where he's at and, you know, you'll see when the special comes out, all the things he, he goes through. But for him to have kind of that moment 
and be able to put out that that gets universally, you know, kind of acclaim. And uh, and I was thrilled for him and, and for AJ, yeah. but like especially yeah. for him because it, it sort of kind of felt like, yeah, that's my badass Undertaker right there. It kind of reinvigorated him in a way. And I, I was really happy for that. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you can't have WrestleMania without Undertaker, let alone it's in tough. a marquee it's, match. It's hard, and, yeah. and it was just, just hats off to everybody that was involved with it, man. Cause I was sitting in a hotel. I went and did this, the kickoff shows in Stanford and uh, I got back, we, we shot them earlier in the day and I got back to the hotel just in time for WrestleMania to start. And I sat there and was eating and watching TV or what, you know, watching on my iPad and uh, that Boneyard match ended and I was texting people as fast as my thumbs would move going, did you see that? But that, it was like watching a Clint Eastwood movie with Taker yeah. as Clint Eastwood. It, it didn't, it, I don't know, man. It was just, it was awesome. It, Everything about so it's it was funny. Cool. It's funny you say it's a, probably the third or fourth person that's mentioned the Clint Eastwood thing to me. And it's, you know, we, we talked a lot about everything before we got to shooting and, and, and even the scenes and stuff. So, you know, and in in those things, the noise and the mannerisms and the, the trash talking was key. Right. And we talked a lot about that. And there, there was a scene we, you know, take, can just do that stuff like trash talking in his DNA is a little bit more difficult to AJ, but he really delivered on it. And when Tate came back, he's like, dude, that was some badass trash talking right there. And he looked at me and he goes, that was my best Clint Eastwood. <laughs> so there you go. And, and then you've got AJ who refuses to swear. So his best trash talking is like PG rated, but it's still, still pretty but it good. Was, it was pretty good. But you know, my favorite stuff of, of the AJ in that, in that moment of like, Man, to me, that's the the heel, the 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 crying, begging, oh, please don't yeah. me. You know, yeah. you know what I mean. Like it was just, man, he played that stuff up so perfectly, and it was brutal. But it it turned out really awesome. Proud of it. Anything else on the uh, WrestleMania card stand out to you off the top of your head? All of it. It's hard for me at this point in my career to imagine going out there in front of nobody and trying to pull that energy and that level of performance you know like in a you know, imagine if you're kevin owens just gonna just climb up that thing 30 feet just fall off there and land on this right. table over here no one's here just just do it you know <laughs> yeah. it's uh it's that that takes something special to to go out there and have that performance because you know there's you know you hear rock talk about that and you know it the the, the electricity and the connection between our fans and what we do it, it, there's nothing like it mm-hmm. right that the the feedback and response of that is like nothing else in the world and the immediacy of it. And to be in there with silence, but after to, to get that out of yourself and, and get that emotion out, you know, I thought Charlotte and Rhea Ripley had an mm-hmm. amazing match. And, and to me, I, I think of Rhea Ripley, 22 years old, you're just kind of just getting to where you're starting to feel comfortable with crowds. Right. Right. And then yeah. they take the crowd away and go like, do it again, man. I, I don't, that, that my hats off to everybody that was a part of it. From a cinematic scope as well, the funhouse, I, I just knew conceptually what the thought was. Mm-hmm. Like everybody that I would ask, like, hey, how'd that go? I'd, I'd get the same response. People either gonna love it or hate it. Yeah. And I was like, really? And then and and most of the people that shot it were like, I have no idea what we shot because it's it all goes together. Like if it all goes together well, it might be awesome might be the worst thing anybody's ever seen. Like, and I kept getting that. I was like, Oh my God, I didn't know what to expect. You know, it was like, this, it was like a crazy acid trip. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. In some manner. But when you think you talk about reinventing and, and getting outside the box and just being like my hats off the scene on that to get outside the box of your own character and everything that you've done and 
be that self-aware and be okay with putting that out there yeah. in front of everybody and, yeah. and, and Bray as well. But like, man, it, it just, it was a, it was a crazy trip and it just delivered something completely unique and changed business changing. Yeah, I completely agree. It, it was more, it was almost, it, it was more, we always talk about, you know, sports entertainment or, or, you know, the athleticism, this was, it almost leaned toward art. Like yes. it was, it was something that like somebody would put together in a film school. Just you know, you didn't have to necessarily know the characters to go. This is something bizarre. I told the yeah. story within some type of artistic interpretation. Yeah, yeah, of of something, right? And it was crazy, and I I loved it for that manner. You know, um, when you when you look at what we did with the Boneyard match, it was a, a furthering of something that I think had been done in a way before they'd been an offsite shoots before sure. boiler boiler room matches, um, you know, years ago with, with Mick and Kane Taker, or, or yeah. Taker yeah. or, or even the, the rock and Foley empty arena match, which right. was much more theatrical and, and cinematically shot with multiple camera angles. And I, I remember at the time when he was getting pinned with a forklift and <laughs> thinking like, Oh, it's the love of God. <laughs> right. Like, but like, so we, we were continuing down a road of something that had been, done there's a difference between that and like completely just going like here's the book throw it over here what are we what what crazy thing are we gonna do that to me was like a whole creation of a whole different art form that was uh unique and and totally something i've never seen anything like that before it it got done and i looked looked over at at mella and her i were at her parents place watching it and i looked at her dad and i had that thousand yard stare and i just went what the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and but it was it came from a good place i was just like i don't even know what just happened i gotta digest this and yeah that's how i honestly when it was over i was like did i like that or did, did i did i hate that i'm not 100 yeah. sure but like you know it went by quickly and i was entertained by it i wasn't sure where they were going with everything and like and i really think i like that you know and the, yeah. but then it was like i guess sometimes you know you go to a movie and it takes you a minute to realize like Man, I've been thinking about this movie for three straight days. That that movie really affected me. I, I had to watch I had to watch Fight Club three times before I understood it. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's like I think I like this. I don't know why, but let me watch it again. And then it clicks, and it was like, oh, yeah. And to that point, right? That's one of those sort of kind of like outside the box, like a Pulp Fiction or something that is like different from anything that's come before mm-hmm. it. It shifts your perception, and and you you almost have to sit back for a little bit and go, wait a minute, wow, hey, that was really good. You know, yeah. but but you don't get it right away, and and um, that's how I felt about that. It it really took me a minute, but that but my hats off to everybody that worked on that because cons- just even thinking of it, holy guys, how even anybody even conceptually thought about all that craziness and going through doors and different worlds and the, and the whole thing. That's that's just some outside the box thinking. That my hats off to them for that. But again, to everybody that was involved in it, uh, WrestleMania, even even to the point of like some of the younger guys, like you know, there's there's moments in time where things are happening, and like uh, you know, Andrade gets hurt at TV, and like all of a sudden Austin Theory's in WrestleMania, and he's like, uh, "Called my parents, told them I just got done shooting WrestleMania," yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it, it just was craziness. But like, um, my hats off to everybody because you know, for for what it was in those two days when the world really needed some entertainment. I think people could forget about stuff. Um, you know, you still have the people in the world that t- take everything too seriously and look into every aspect of it and are looking for the things and the this and the that and, the, you know, whatever. Just If you just watched it to be entertained, just like anything else, it was fun. 
it was entertaining. Um, and I think people had a good time and really enjoyed it uh, for the two days. So it was, it was well worth the effort on everybody's part. What are the odds you think we'll see another uh, multiple day WrestleMania going forward? Well, I mean, my opinion this is my opinion, but I, I think it was much more enjoyable than the eight hour extravaganza. I think at some point that is, is probably what it should be. You know, it, it's just become so big that it's almost um, and, and when you think about it in a way, it's it started out as a concert that ended up being a festival. And yeah. it's this it's this week long thing you know uh when when you think about it in that manner now you know the thursday would have been hall of fame friday was smackdown saturday was going to be takeover sunday would have been wrestlemania monday would have been raw like it's it's a it's a week-long festival and i think that 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 big main stage attraction needs to be those two nights and and it'd be this weekend of events and i do think that's probably a change that that um, out of chaos comes the genius and maybe that is the genius of it. And, and I know there's been people saying that for a period of time, but that's a major shift and that, that doesn't come easy. And, you know, I think uh, people in the world look at stuff like that and they go like, why don't they just make it two nights? Yeah. Because that's really easy. Just anyway, <laughs> two nights. Done. <laughs> You mentioned Takeover, which unfortunately didn't happen. You guys, you did have the the cinematic treatment, so to speak, for uh, Gargano and Champa. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the the mindset and the goings on down at NXT during all these times. Well, you know, so it's a funny thing is the <laughs> the Gargano Champa cinematic empty arena match was shot prior to the Boneyard or WrestleMania. Oh, really? Yeah. So you know, we we when we realized there was going to be no Takeover. Um, just because of the way everything was laying out, I was like, man, I, I want to put some of these matches on TV because who, who knows when we're going to get to do, no, nobody even knew if there was going to be shows on the other side of WrestleMania. So that was one we wanted to, you know, just kind of get it done with and, and be done with that storyline so we could move everybody in their directions and make it different. And what could we do that it was different? So the, the concept was come up to do something different and cinematic, so to speak and shot with a similar team. But as it came closer, all the options for doing it kept shutting down. You know, you're having all these changes because everything is changing, but there's the Manila of WrestleMania and everything else is working backwards around that. So the opportunities were going away and changing and moving and holy cow, how are we going to do this? So we did what we did. And, and, you know, even then the concept of we shoot that, but now you have this megaton of footage. And then the next day you shoot a megaton of footage of the Boneyard match and you shoot a megaton of footage of this, of everything at WrestleMania, plus this Funhouse match. And all these edit teams got to break these things up and edit and, you know, break these things down. And of course, everything goes in an order. Mm -hmm. So it kept getting moved down the the line of the pecking order, so to speak, and and how it could get executed and what could get done with it and how it could get edited and how it could get treated and and everything else. But, you know, it's still, um, I was very, you know, happy with that match and proud of that match. It's a funny thing that I think by the time we got to the Gargano Ciampa match, everybody was already at the point of like, these cinematic matches are getting overdone. Right. <laughs> but, <you> know, like, <laughs> yeah. This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, you know, but, and, and I'll tell you what, those two, so that was done in one shot. We just put a crew in there and they just went at it, right? Mm-hmm. And so like they would have done in an arena with, I don't know, there was probably like five of us sitting over here, uh, all separated out and uh, and the crew and just the two of them in the ring. And they just went 
and they just had a match. And the fan in me just sat there and was like, oh my, they, they beat the crap out of each other. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Sean and I were like two little kids, you know, just watching it. And they did a phenomenal job. It was intense. It looked real. It was, um, it was, it was awesome. And, and then, you know, I liked the look of it and everything else. It, it was, again, something different in a time when, when something different should be applauded, you know, and, and, and again, now here we are with, with NXT and um, the decision as we're doing TV to still continue to try to put out the content and, and everybody's continuing to, to drive forward. I'm, I'm proud of the teams. I'm proud of everybody. You know, everybody is working extremely hard under really trying times and circumstances. And, you know, it, it truly is, you know, you, you don't get that feeling, I guess, when you read the media some ways, but the WWE isn't this massive team. Everybody is just all kind of trying to roll the boat in the same direction of, of trying to entertain people and, right, and continue right. to put out this product and, and do the best we can under extremely difficult circumstances. And we're not doing anything special. There's people doing way more special stuff out there. The, the first responders and everybody else that are out there doing all this stuff and trying to keep people safe. And hopefully if one of them can go home after they get done a long shift of doing all the miserable stuff they're doing and they can turn on our shows or something and just forget about it for a minute, then it was all worth it. Right, you know, right. I was, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and, and he was asking about just the schedule and what, what it feels like. And it, Oh, are they making you go to work? And I said, honestly, dude, I said, nobody's made me do anything. And I said, and across the board, I, I think it, it's like we're wired a certain way. We want to work. We want to do yeah. things. Like I, I, I'm going stir crazy. I'm losing my mind right now. I've watched every show I want to watch on TV or Netflix. I've, you know, I bought a bicycle. I've been riding 15, 20 miles all the way. It's like, what else do I do with my time? I want to go to work. I want to entertain. It's funny, even even when you talk about it in that manner, like um, when we did the Boneyard shoot, this is middle of night, right? And one by one, all these crew guys that are there, they built this set and they're doing all this stuff. But one by one, you know, they're spread out everywhere, right? Because we're trying to keep our distance from everybody and all this stuff. But one by one, they're all coming up to me at the end of the night and like emotionally thanking me. Like, dude, thank you so much for this. Like, we're all out of work right now. And right. if you guys weren't, dude, like, I'd be, I was losing, starting to lose my mind. I got no money coming in. And thank you for doing this because we're screwed. And, but like one by one, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing to, to see people. And, and it's a tough time. And there's no answer to it that, you know, it's tough for everybody right now. People having to make tough decisions and, you know, everybody's trying to get through this in the best way they can. And, and it's, there's no right answer. There's no easy answer. It's all difficult. Well, uh, about a week from now, we will have a reason to celebrate something. It seems like it's been forever since we've celebrated anything. Uh, 25 years of Triple H in yeah. WWE. Yeah, even I'm sick of it. I was going to say, where did the time go? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, this is funny. This is one of those things like somebody had mentioned to me like, I don't know, two or three months ago. Hey, it's like your 25th anniversary. I'm like, really? And, you know, I, I don't, it's one of those things. I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff, right? And mm-hmm. so somebody mentioned, I was like, wow. And they said, hey, we should do something in the show. And I was like, whatever. And I never really thought about it again. And then like two weeks ago, or no, uh, yeah, it was two weeks ago, we were getting ready to go shoot. And NXT was shooting on Saturday and Sunday recording content. Mm-hmm one of the writers from SmackDown calls me up and he goes, Hey, so um, Sunday, are you going to be able to make it to the show for your 25th anniversary show? And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and he was like the 25th anniversary show. We're doing this big show for you. And I'm like, no, we're not. Are, or you're kidding me. Right. And he was like, no, can you be there Sunday? I'm like, no, I can't be there Sunday. I'm shooting NXT all day. I'm like you're going to have to do it without me. And he was like, all right. Okay. All right. You know, and, and 
anyways, everything changed from then. And it's, it's now we ended up not even doing those shows. Then they ended up moving to now, but um, I had totally completely in every single way, shape or form forgotten about it until this period of time when he asked me that, like, I didn't even know it was still happening. So, and then I partly still thought it was a rib a little bit, like, clearly I can't do this thing on Sunday. I'm shooting TV. Like somebody was ribbing, you know, Vince calling me up to ask me that, even ribbing me. And, and like, and then that night, like I saw the commercial for it. I was like, Oh, for the love of God, like they're, I can't believe they're doing this, but yeah, but here we are. Yeah. That's crazy. And I'm sure this will be covered in, in long form over the next week or so, but off the top of your head, I mean, you've, you've done battle with just about everybody who's who we've talked about who, you know, in NXT, you would love someday before you hang up your boots to, to do a battle with um, who from the past is somebody that you looked up to. I mean, Harley's probably going to be an answer that comes to yeah. mind. Yeah, uh, who 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 did you never get a chance to to compete with that you'd love to would have loved to? There's certain guys in that period of time, like Harley, Dusty. You know, I I, I did a few little things with Dusty, but like to get in there with him when he was Dusty Rhodes, you know, right? Um, right. I, I would have loved to have got in there with Buddy Rogers, you know, just because I think he, he just he's a guy that kind of changed the business and changed the pace of it, and so that that's always fascinating. With Andre, obviously, would have been sure one one that would have been would have been huge but yeah harley would have definitely been one for me because it was a big influence on me and um i respected him so much so that would have definitely been one for me is there anything that you look back at now and you think i wish i would have done this or tried this i mean things worked out pretty well in your favor but is there anything that just kind of i'm not a i'm not a big look back and and kind of regret thing person because like i feel like even just the little things that you do, you did wrong or you wish would have happened differently. Like I, you know, there were moments in time, like everybody did. You think like, I can't believe they passed me by for this. Like that should have been me. And that should have been this. And later when you look back with that hindsight being much clearer, you can see like, I'm glad that didn't happen. You know, there was moments in time where like the the whole curtain call thing happened and, you know, Austin, I was scheduled to win the King of the Ring, and then Austin wins King of the Ring. Thank God that all happened. I was going to say you know, Austin three sixteen. <laughs> yeah, and and not that that wouldn't have happened anyways, but like I look back at that time, and in the moment, I you know clearly when they had buzzed me on any of that, I was like, yeah, I should win that, right? Like, <laughs> um, but I look back at the time and think like, yeah, I wasn't ready for that. I, I wasn't ready by for that by a long shot. Um, you know, things happen for a reason. Um, they, they make you grow. They make you change. They expose the things that you believe that you're good at, but you're not good at. And you think that, you know, you need to change over time. You know, every, every aspect of it. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it's funny how things take on their own shape over time too. Sometimes people will bring up the ultimate warrior, like WrestleMania thing. Like that's embarrassing to me. Like, are you kidding me? Like I, I wrestled the ultimate warrior in his return at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 12. Like, right. Yeah, the experience wasn't what I would have wished it would have been in the moment from a, a you know behind the scenes standpoint or anything like that. But holy cow, like mm-hmm. even even exactly the way it went down, it was unbelievably great. You know, a, a moment in my career and like all those things. So it's hard for me to say I would have uh, changed any of it because it was all learning experiences. And you know, I think for anybody that's what it all is. It's all that. And and when you think something is happening for the wrong reasons, or you think like you're, you know, you're being passed by for something, they're all learning experiences. And if you look at it hard enough, you'll see the, 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 what, what is supposed to be happening there to get you to where 
you need to be. I even think right now, these moments in time that we're all going through with all this stuff, the people that are smart will take great lessons from what's happening to them in their lives right now and, and what's important to them, what's not important to them. Take away things from their personal life, but their business life as well of what, what's, what, you know what, what worked and what didn't work. And what was right. like, I was going down this road and that wasn't working at all. And all of a sudden this has shed a light on something for me that I realized I was doing things in a way I didn't need to, whatever. And, and you learn from that and you change it. That's life. And, you know, I, I've, I've heard it said before, if you're, if you're the same person today that you were 10 years ago, you wasted 10 years of your life. Right. Um, and I, I think that's true in all of it. So to me, 25 years in, like anybody, I can look back at the, I look back at the videos when all these things are playing and I go, what was I thinking? Like, Oh my God, <laughs> my hair, what the hell was I thinking? What was it? You know, the, just all the choices you're made. We all thought fanny packs and high tech boots and big tech baggy boots. pants. <laughs> yeah. We all thought that was good, right. It was the thing, you know, but you, you know, you look back on it and you remember it fondly. And then I can look back on all that stuff and, you, you don't understand. I try to say this to, I guess, the kids in NXT a lot too. And, and at the performance center, it's like, you don't understand the moments in time that you're in and how impactful they are. Even that attitude era, when we were in the thick of it, it was, you know, all of us running hard and it was competitive and it was, we were in the day. We didn't realize how special sure. time that was. Right. You're just so busy being in it. Yeah. We were just going to work and complaining and, you know, bitching about each other and trying to be better than this person. And, Oh, he thinks that was good. Watch this, you know, do what you think is right and, and do the right things and learn from it and and move on. But, you know, we had no idea in hindsight, you can look back on it and go like, what a time in the Mm -hmm. business and, and talent level and everything that was happening. It was, you know, incredible. Um, I've been lucky and I've been, been really, really fortunate one to have incredible people from the moment I got in the business, not only to be around me, um, but to, to help me, pick me up, support me, move me up the line. Um, you know, people from the very beginning, whether it was Kowalski to Terry Taylor, taking me to another level or, you know, Sean and Kevin, all those guys as we became friends and, 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 but, but all of it, everybody that I ever worked with, I learned something from them and picked something up and they, move me along the line too. And, and it's, it's sounds trite to say, but you can't thank them enough because it all contributed to, to every bit of everybody you've ever been in the ring with or been a part of in this business. And I look back fondly on all of it and thanks to all of them because I, you know, wouldn't be anywhere without any of the, the things you went through positively or negatively, all of it. Well, just before I let you go, seeing as how everybody's got a lot of uh, downtime on their hands, Name a personal favorite Triple H match that uh, listeners should go check out that might not be one of the, the most famous. I'll bring this one up because, the well, Sean just brought it up to me the other day. And it gets brought up every now and then to me. And I feel like it's one of those ones that just kind of goes by the wayside and, and no one mentions it in, I don't know what year it was, but Sean and I wrestled. It was right around the holidays. And we just wrestled on Raw, I believe. For the champion, I can't remember if Bischoff had just given me the world title. I don't remember what the storyline of it was but it was Sean and I for the title and I think we went like 40 minutes on TV and I whatever I had going on that day Sean and I just didn't get to talk and I remember we talked about the finish like it was because I had like some kind of wonky thing with a double pin on the finish okay. and uh we we talked about that and then literally I was like hey, I'll come back and we'll get together in a little bit and then 
I didn't see him for like majority of the day and went up to him and was like, Hey, if we care if we just call this out there. And he was like, all right, whatever. And so we never spoke. Like we like literally had the, like the two moves at the end and the finish sequence. And that was it. And we never spoke and we went 40 minutes on TV, but it was like just when you click with a guy and it's magic and you can just go. So it's one of those ones that to me, like is really, I think people, I remember people really being excited about it at the time and, and putting it over a lot, but one of those ones that kind of, because it wasn't a pay-per-view, it wasn't a, a big event. It, it just kind of kind of got lost in the shot about it. And it kind yeah. of went about, went, went along the wayside is, is one of the ones that are special. You know, and that, that's the hard thing. I think for a lot of guys in the business, you have these matches every now and then, like these great WrestleMania moments or these big pay-per-view things that you think like that was good. And But then you look back and you go like, I've had a better match. I had a better match with him one time in like Detroit. Right. <laughs> Just a non-televised event. It was yeah. sold out. People were hanging from the rafters, don't get me wrong. But, you know, we had a better match there. I can think about that a million times of just like going out and and with Steve or Rock or Foley and take anybody like that. And just, you know, when you're in those live events and you don't have that pressure, the TV pressure, and you can just go and have fun and all that stuff where you just had, I I wish we had all those on tapes. That would be a gold mine. Yeah. For yeah, sure. incredible gems where where people go. Oh my God, this is the greatest match I've ever seen, and you know, twelve thousand people saw it. And and I love those are the stories that live on from from. I love listening to you or Sean or even Taker. We did that thing at the at the tower a few months ago. Listening to you and Taker tell stories about European tours and just all yeah. the shenanigans and the ridiculous things that that live on. That's that to me is the most fascinating. And I would I would love to be able to watch some of this stuff. I was just telling a story the other day with somebody. And I think Steve would probably remember this, Austin, but it was a, one of the first times anybody was physical to China. Mm-hmm. And we were in Chicago. I think it was like right after WrestleMania. He was champion. It was right before the tour where I go and smack around the fan <laughs> that everybody shows that <laughs> video of. But anyway, we're, we're in Chicago and Steve and I went like, I don't know, like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. Because at that time, you know, it was the Monday Night Wars, and man, we were trying to win every city we could. And mm-hmm. I, I just remember, we, man, we went out there, and it was one of those matches where you're three quarters away in, and you're like, "This is good, right?" But it was so loud that building that when uh, all when, yeah, all, yeah, yeah, and you know how loud that building is. And when we were, there was a series at the end, and we were just calling it out there, right? We weren't, we didn't have anything laid out and we were doing this thing with China and like, it was so loud that Steve and I were laying, like we couldn't have been more than a foot apart. And I was, we were screaming at each other. We're like, what? <laughs> like, we couldn't, you know what I mean? Just screaming at each other to try to call something and you couldn't, we just couldn't hear each other. It was deafening. And I was just telling somebody that story the other day that those are the things to me that stand out as moments of like, you know, it's so far beyond the, the stuff that the world sees. It's just you saw it and the people that were there in that moment. And they, they, yeah. those are the magic moments. You know, it's, yeah. I guess, bands that play the best sets they've ever played in their lives in front of a couple hundred people or something. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of bands, I, uh, I'm i sure you probably got word on this, but I just found out on Friday at SmackDown, they're finally releasing our uh, Lemmy video. So I, 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 I knew that that was in the works. Um, I know that they're they're doing a, like kind of a dog thing and they're, they're putting together... I think this is kind of how the whole 25th anniversary thing first came about was it, it came about stemming off of the music. There was okay. an idea to use my 25th anniversary in the business to put out all the tracks that I'd used 
and the different cuts and the different things, but oh, to really okay. base it heavily around Motorhead and to then build in the interview we did and all the other stuff that we had done around that. And I think that's where the original concept came from. So yeah, I'm thrilled that they're doing that. I, I did an on-cam for it, introducing it. I didn't even know they tacked, they just tacked it on to whatever I was shooting uh, on Friday. Yeah. And this, this thing comes up on the teleprompter and I'm like, let me wait. Oh my God, is this happening? So I'm not yeah. going to jinx it. I'm probably jinxing it because I'm saying it out loud, yeah. but there yeah. at least seems to be movement. I know we've been trying to, trying to get that yeah. to the light of day for a while. Hoping that comes out. And look, I, I think the timing is good. So, you know, some time has passed and um, I think, People are probably hungry for, you know, some different content around him and, and, and everything else. But, um, you know, you talk about special, special days and moments that stand out, you know, that yes, was cer certainly one. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that's coming out. I cannot wait. So there's a very cool, they put together like a whole, it's the only thing I've really seen around the whole 25th anniversary thing. Um, and that's why I say, I think the idea stemmed from that was this album that they're putting out and it's, it's, sort of like all those tracks, the different cuts of stuff that Motorhead has done, but all my entrance music from over the years, but then remakes that people did of stuff and, and they're, they're doing it on vinyl. And then they did all these really cool album jackets and yeah, it, it really, I would, but to be honest with it, one of those, one of those other things that was mentioned to me and that I kind of sort of forgot about. And then Neil mentioned it to me, like, I don't know, probably a year later, and was like, hey, I need you to look at this artwork. And I was like, oh my God, this stuff is incredible. Like it just, it blew my mind. It's it's cool. And for me, anything that uh, that comes out with Lem is, is special to me because he was, you know, I was close to him. And, and uh, to see that still get play and, and him get that attention and rightfully so. Live on forever, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I'm sure you've probably got other Zoom conferences to uh, attend or cinematic. Yeah, this one was way. This one was way better than the other Zoom conferences. Oh, <laughs> I'll take it, man. I'll, I'll appreciate it. <laughs> Anytime you uh, need to blow off an hour in, in the middle of a busy, busy day, just give me a buzz on here. So right, I might take you up on that. Well, hey, happy, uh, happy 25th anniversary! Congratulations. Uh, I'm sure there will be much celebrating to be done over the next week on all things WWE. It, it should be a fun, uh, fun SmackDown. I've heard uh, a few people have mistakenly come by and said uh, something about next Friday, and then like, oh, I can't say that, right? So I, uh, there's something being going on. I don't know what it is, but I've not really heard anything about it. But Sean can't keep a secret. <laughs> we'll plead the fifth until then, man. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I will talk to you. You know, you're always welcome uh, anytime you feel like just spilling your guts. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Stay safe. The time to play the game has ended. It is now time for a little bit of Zen, something to wrap your head around. Keeping it lighthearted this week. I feel like we need a little levity. It's apropos that it's from the man himself. Let me kill mister. He said, my ethic is eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. You can be as careful as you want, but you're going to die anyway. So why not have fun? Truer words, my friends. Thanks once again to Triple H for joining the show. Follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Insta, whatever you want to use. Just follow it. Twitter, Facebook. Send us your thoughts using hashtag After the Bell. I say this each and every week, but you all still haven't done it. So leave me five stars on Apple Podcasts, please. I said, please, it really does help. And if you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts so that you never, ever, 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 ever miss an episode. And you can follow me at WWE Graves. Maybe I'll do something cool this week, or maybe I won't. And I'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell.